0: A quick uh, warning right here at the beginning. This episode does contain some swear words and some bad language. If that's an issue for you, well, maybe skip this one. Hey, it's Jack, host of the show. One of the reasons I like making this show is to smash the stereotype of what a hacker looks like. And today's guest definitely does that. I don't know. I'm trying to understand, get a picture of your vibe here. You're almost like, uh, you almost look like eminem a little not quite but but, you know
1: yeah i got told that a lot
0: what do you call what would you characterize yourself
1: well i actually used to take a lot of pride in the fact that um i don't look like the average hacker i guess what you what most people would say i was was do you remember the term wigger yeah w-h-i-g-g-r white guys that dressed like black guys listened to rap music and stuff like that My first time in prison and up until that point, I guess that's technically what most people would see me as. Like I wore baggy clothes, sagging pants, backwards hat and everything like that. I got tattooed Pain is Love from a Ja Rule song on the back of my head. I got um, the Laugh Now and Cry Later faces. These are tattoos he got while in prison. So on my right bicep, I put a little tribal looking face. That, um, was smiling and it said laugh now and then on my left side i had a face that was crying and it said cry later federal prison in, in federal prison we all have prison numbers and the last three digits of your number show where you were arrested and my number was 38141-083 083 is the eastern D- district of virginia
0: This is Doggy G, and his story perplexes me because of stuff
1: he says, like October 18th of 2018, I was paid $160,000 in that one day. So,
0: what did he do to make $160,000 in one day? Well, he's a hacker. These are true stories from the dark side of the internet. I'm Jack Resider. This is Darknet Diaries. Support for this show comes from Veronis. Guess how many files the average employee can access on their first day of work? 17 million O-N-I-S, veronis.com slash dark. Support for this episode comes from Oracle for Startups. I think I have to buy a new phone this week. This one I have is running out of space, and it's just too slow for my modern usage. But I wonder if startup companies have this same problem, where they start out with some cool new technology to run their business, But over time, it starts to slow down and their underlying architecture just can't handle big customers, large spikes or the growth that they hope to have. How does a startup find technology that can grow with them? Well, Oracle has this startup partnership. It's cleverly called Oracle for Startups. The idea is even though you're a startup, you can tap into the cloud computing power, expertise and connections of a big dog like Oracle. You get free cloud credits and 70% off their cloud services. Plus with multi-cloud support and no vendor lock-in, you build this any way you want. Now you aren't frustrated and you've got the power to scale and you're free to go after your dream customers. Don't stay stuck. Go check out oracle.com slash goto darknet. So, Doggy G's real name is Tommy DeVos. And like many hackers, his story starts out when he was a young boy in a chat room.
1: I actually joined the wrong chat room by mistake. It was just like somebody else's private room. And it was run by a guy that used the alias D's Nuts, DZNUTZ. But I just did the slash join pound DZ by mistake. And this brought him to a chat room full of hackers. I kind of just hung out in there. I would just keep joining that same room every day after school for a couple of weeks. So I started like asking him questions. They're like, who the hell is this kid? Blah, blah, blah. And I got banned like several times.
0: There's something magical about being in a chat room as a teenager. They're fun and addicting. And even though he was banned, he figured out ways to get back in.
1: I would just disconnect, reconnect, and then go back in again. And after going in there and spending... I don't know, several months of just keep going back in there repeatedly and asking just pretty much begging the guy to teach me stuff. Because Tommy saw this chat room
0: was full of hackers, people breaking into computers and networks that they weren't supposed to. And Tommy thought this was cool and he wanted to get in on the action too. And he wanted to learn what these hackers were doing. And even though they kept banning him, he just kept finding a way back into the channel and was asking them to teach him how to hack. And eventually they gave in and threw him a bone.
1: And like the first thing that he told me um, was go to Yahoo, Vista. He was like, read everything that you can find about hacking. I want to say this would have been happening in about 94-ish. So
0: actually, in 1994, Tommy would have only been 12 years old. A preteen still. Well, after bouncing in and out of all these chat rooms, he finally landed on a name. Doggy G is what he would be known as online. And that's doggy spelled D-A-W-G-Y. And so he starts learning some basic hacking techniques by reading up on it. At that time, Frack was a free online hacking magazine. So he probably dove into that and started reading it from like the first issue and slowly going through it, reading every issue. And he learned a few things here and there, but hey, he's just 12. So he was just starting out and wasn't very good. But he eventually joined an IRC hacker crew called TDK.
1: TDK stood for those damn kids the main focus of tdk was um ircf networks we would build botnets to go and check every single op in our target room and find a server that didn't have anybody from that server on it that was an operator and then we would ddos that server to split it off of the network and then they basically just take over the channel
0: damn you i <laughs> you're the one who <laughs> did that. <laughs>
1: So that there was a- um, so so back
0: in the day. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that because I was also hanging out in IRC channels in 1994 on Fnet, the exact place where Doggy G was trying to do server splits and take over the channels. I remember channels getting taken over by young kids, but at the time I thought it was kind of funny and didn't really take these chat rooms too seriously. And when Tommy started calling himself Doggy G, trying to take over these chat rooms, I think this is where he starts trying on his black hat. That is, he's trying to conduct hacks that are causing destruction and grief. Maybe taking over a chat room isn't illegal, but this would be the beginning of his lifelong hacking career. What led you up to getting uh, suspended at high school?
1: Um, <laughs> so, I used to get bored a lot. Well, I was taking a computer class for, uh, it was uh, Q Basic in school. So a lot of times I'd get bored and wouldn't have anything to do because I would write my program for the class really fast. And I would actually DDoS my school's IP address to take our internet down, because then we couldn't do class and so we'd get to go outside and play.
0: Yeah, he crashed the school's internet because he would rather go outside and play.
1: Well, I actually got in trouble for doing that. Um, They suspended me the first time, three days for that. That was his
0: first suspension from high school, but it wasn't his only one. Soon after that, he got suspended again.
1: I got expelled from school because I broke into a uh, military base in Korea and used their computer systems. Um, I hijacked the AOL account that the uh, general of the base was using, and I sent an email from his email address from his AOL account to the superintendent of Hanover County that um, one of the high schools in his uh, county was going to blow up at 10.30 in the morning. A convoluted scheme,
0: but it was done for the same reasons as the first one. He just didn't want to be in school. He wanted
1: to... Be able to skip school, go to the river,
0: smoke weed, and just have fun for the day. It worked. Sort of. School was
1: canceled, but he didn't get away with it. I went to school the next day. There was a guy in a suit on each side of the door and they were like, you need to come with us. I got expelled. Hmm.
0: So how did he get caught? Did that military base in Korea do some forensic investigation and trace this back to a teenager in West Virginia? No. Did the police track his online connections? No again. What happened is that he told someone that he's the one who got school canceled that day. And that person went and told someone at the school that Tommy is who sent in this bomb threat.
1: And um, because I had used the uh, internet to do it, the FBI ended up raiding my house about two weeks after it happened to take my computers. And uh, that was the first time that I was charged with computer crimes. I was actually charged with um, violating the um, Computer Fraud and Abuse Act.
0: Being a minor, a sophomore, one of those damn kids in the eyes of the law, hmm, this could get bad pretty quick. The feds took his computers, but let him go free as they investigated the case. Well, this gave him more time, more time to hack more stuff. He got a new computer and slipped on his black hat again, but forget about TDK at this point. He was on to more ambitious adventures. (laughs)
1: So I started talking to a bunch of other hacking groups and um, I I got in contact with a guy named Rafa, who was a member of World of Hell. And he was telling me about, they had rules for the group where you were only allowed to hack um, Unix systems. You were not allowed to target Windows because Windows was too easy. And they like to only attack government, military, and Fortune 500 companies.
0: This was great. Doggy G liked everything about this. The rules, the people, the stuff he was learning. So he started hacking
1: with World of Hell. So then in June of 2001, I defaced my first website as part of World of Hell, And it was actually the um, Virginia, I broke into the Virginia Department of Informational Technology and defaced www.state.org. VA.us, which was our main state website. Just from that point on, I just was defacing stuff with World of Hell for nonstop for about six to nine months.
0: Oh, in case you're wondering, D-Face is just a term used to change what's written on a website. So you can, like, swap the photo that's on the front page to something else, or just change what's said there to whatever you want. In this case, he probably had to prove himself that he was the guy who hacked this site. So he probably wrote something on there like, hacked by Doggy G, or hacked by World of Hell, or something like that. What were some of the sites that you were, you got, you were hitting or World of
1: Hell was hitting? Yahoo.com.ph Nokia.com, Sony.com, Datsun, Dunhill, Epson, Fujifilm. If hacking is a drug, Mercedes-Benz. Doggy G was getting addicted. World Online, the
0: car company, AOL. He was loving this hacking in the world of hell hacker group. HP, Reebok. But the problem with addictions
1: is that you can overdose. United Airlines, Casio, Motorola. And you can fall into a world of pain. Hyundai, Sony Music, Toshiba, Opel, Volvo, EA Sports. And after the break, the party ends for Doggy G. Rolex, P-Pfizer, a bunch of Chinese government systems. The U.S. Department of Energy, U.S. court systems. Venezuelan military.
0: This episode is brought to you by the Jordan Harbinger podcast. Here's a clip from one of his episodes.
2: You're about to hear a preview of the Jordan Harbinger show where I speak with the infamous Firefest Billy McFarland from inside federal prison where he's serving six years for fraud and on the hook for $26 million in restitution.
3: This call is from William McFarland, an inmate at a federal prison.
2: Is this the new Billy that we're hearing or are you the same Billy that tried to pull off the fire Festival.
3: When I think about the mistakes that were made and what happened, there's no way I can just describe it other than what the f*** was I thinking. I was wrong, and I hope now that I can, in some small way, make a positive impact.
2: Once you knew that the festival wasn't gonna go as planned,
3: why didn't you call it off? So a lot of people don't know, but the decision to cancel the festival was made when I was told that three people had died at the event. Thankfully, no one was actually physically hurt in any way, but up until the last second, I believed incorrectly we could pull it off, and obviously I was wrong. We had something called the Urgent Daily Payments Document. Essentially, it was a list of payments that we had to make that day, or else the festival couldn't proceed. In the couple of months leading up to the event, it went from a couple thousand dollars a day to a few million dollars a day, where I had to wake up at nine in the morning, find $3 million by noon, and then make the payments by four.
2: For more with Billy McFarland, including lessons learned on the inside and his plans once he's served the time he agrees he rightly deserves, check out episode 422 of The Jordan Harbinger Show.
1: Creative.com, Audi, Kenwood, Acer. High schooler Doggy
0: G was still hunched over his monitor wearing a black hat and defacing website after website.
1: Xerox, Packard Bell, Compact, 3Com
0: doing all he could before he turned 18, which was an adult in the eyes of the law.
1: So I turned 18 in November of 2001. I actually stopped hacking for a few weeks, but then I got bored again, so I started doing it again. I hacked consistently until June 12th of 2002.
3: In the year 2002...
1: on June 11th. That night, um, Men in Black 2 had just come out in theaters. So that night before I went to bed, I downloaded Men in Black 2. The plan was I was going to go to work the next day, and then I was going to come home from work early, smoke weed with my sister.
3: Don't bother calling the CIA, forget the FBI.
1: And we were going to watch that movie. He got
0: out of work for the same reasons he wanted to get out of school, so he could go play. In this case, to play an illegally downloaded movie. So he goes home to his apartment with his sister, and they watch Men in Black 2. But the real Men in Black were knocking on his door.
1: And I went to push the door open, but it was yanked open in front of me, and an M-16 was in my face. So there was somewhere between 20 and 30 agents inside of my apartment. Uh, My sister was sitting on my uh, couch crying. My dad was standing in the living room next to her. um, And just like, when he saw me walk through the door, he just looked at me and shook his head. They took everything in the house that was related to computers, uh, all floppy disk, any CD that was in there, every computer, every computer component. Uh, every piece of paper that had notes handwritten on them. And what was
0: going? I mean, what was your emotional level at that point? Were you like freaking out about this, or how
1: how are you feeling? I was I was scared shitless at the time, because I was an adult at that point, and I was on probation still for the hacking and bomb threat two years before.
0: Once again, they took all his electronics and computers and he had
1: two weeks before his court date. This is it. I'm like, I've got two weeks of freedom. They're going to lock me up in two weeks. So I was like, screw it. I'm just gonna have fun and do whatever. So I spent two weeks racing. Uh, I used to street race a lot. Uh, so I spent two weeks street racing, uh, going to, uh, the beach a lot, hanging out with as many of my friends as I could, trying to sleep with as many different girls as I could.
0: Now, 19 years old, black hat hacker Tommy DeVos, Doggy G, stands in front of a judge two weeks later.
1: Hats were not allowed in court. I ended up pleading guilty in October of 2003. To one count of violating the CFAA for uh, breaking into a computer system that controls interstate commerce. Um, I had broken into a website called Bank Colo, B A N K C O L O.com, and defaced the website. And it turns out it was for um, the Colorado Bank and Trust Company.
0: Mm, yeah. Messing with a banking website was probably a bad move. I mean, they're federally regulated and insured, which means that crimes involving a bank are probably going to be investigated by federal law enforcement.
1: The judge asked me to stand up and he looked at me and he said, Mr. Voss, I do not believe that you're sorry for anything that you've done. I think the only reason that you are showing any remorse whatsoever is because of the fact that you got caught. He ended up sentencing me to 27 months in federal prison uh, banning me from computers for 10 years and giving me five years of probation and i want to say it was a hundred thousand dollars of restitution that had to be paid so then after he pronounced my sentence he said uh I now place you in the custody of the U.S. Marshals to serve your sentence. And my knees pretty much gave out on me. I was just, I walked in there expecting to walk back out that day for at least 30 days. And now all of a sudden I'm getting locked up for almost two and a half years. The fun was over. Doggy G's hacking spree
0: was done. Back to being Tommy with no hat to wear in prison. What were some of the tattoos you got?
1: My first tattoos in prison, I got a tribal on each one of my, uh, biceps, one on each side. That was just a small little tribal and one had a T for my initial and the other one had a C for the girl I was dating at the time. I got three dots on my right wrist, which is a Hispanic gang tattoo for puntos locos. Um, crazy life. um, I had the words crazy life put on, um, I don't know what it's called. It's not my forearms, but it's like the back of my arms between my elbow and my wrist. Crazy was put on one side, life was put on the other side. I went in with like five or six tattoos and came out with like 25 or 30 total. Tommy
0: served his two years in prison and got out. And at this point, it's 2006, he's 22, but still has to serve probation. So you your real probation had 10
1: years, no computers? No computers, cell phones, game systems, fax machines, anything that could communicate with other people aside from an actual phone. Like I could make phone calls. I wasn't allowed to touch a cell phone or anything like that. Even when I would go and get a job, a lot of jobs would have you clock in on a computer. I wasn't allowed to do that. I had to have another coworker caught me in and out. For the first 30 days or so, when I got out of prison the first time, I didn't do any drugs and I didn't get on computer or anything. For the first 30 days? This doesn't
0: sound good. But let's not forget, Tommy was once addicted to hacking. It was all he could think about, not to mention being high. So even though he went two years without doing any of this, how long could he hold out now that he's sort of free again? It turns out 30 days.
1: I actually started defacing websites again because of how my bedroom was set up in the house. I used to sit at my computer and I was sitting next to a window that I could see out, but you couldn't see into it. So I just would always sit there. And if I saw a car pull in my driveway that I didn't recognize, I would jump up and take my desktop computer completely apart hide different parts of it in various places of the house so it couldn't be found, and then go and answer the door." His
0: probation officer would visit sometimes, come by and check on Tommy, talk to him, look around his room, and make sure he wasn't using a computer, because that wasn't allowed on his probation. And one day, when his probation officer did come by, Tommy quickly shut down the machine, took it all apart, and hid it all over his room. But he forgot to hide one thing. And when the P.O. came into his room, he saw a keyboard on Tommy's bed, busted. This was a violation of his probation, and he had to go back to prison to do more time. Eventually, he came back home again. Again, his probation was that he could not use computers, but Tommy just couldn't keep his fingers off them. He didn't want to hack anymore, but he was just addicted to computers and would use it for other things. But the FBI was interested to see if he was going to go back to being a hacker.
3: The
1: FBI actually watched me for six months. They rented the house across the street from mine, uh, took pictures of every person that came to my house. The FBI actually collected our trash to go through it looking for evidence that I was on a computer hacking again.
0: As Tommy tells the story, his parents wanted to sell the house and a couple of FBI agents came over posing as potential buyers of the house. And that's when they saw Tommy on his computer in his room. And this was a direct violation of his probation again, which was all the evidence they needed. The FBI went and got their arrest warrant and came back and knocked on the door.
1: When I opened it, they bust through the door and it was the FBI DCIS, which is the Defense Criminal Investigative Service. It's kind of like the Department of Defense's version of the FBI. Um, The Secret Service and state police from Virginia. And they locked me up for violating probation and failing drug tests. They gave me 14 months in prison that time, which was the maximum they were allowed to give me. They gave me what they call diesel therapy. They put me in solitary confinement for three weeks in Petersburg. Then they shipped me from there to um, USP Atlanta, which is a maximum security in prison in Atlanta, Georgia. They put me in solitary confinement there for, I want to say it was another three weeks. And then they sent me from there to a medium-high prison in Williamsburg, South Carolina, where they put me in solitary again for a couple of weeks before putting me on the um, actual compound.
0: I think going back to prison again really did change Tommy. He didn't like it there. He didn't want to ever come back. So he spent a long time weighing which was worth more to him, the high you get from hacking or his freedom. Now, each time he went to court, he ended up in front of this same judge every time. And that judge's name was Judge Payne. And Judge Payne said something to him which had a lasting impact.
1: So the last time I was in court on October 28th of 2009, I had um, Judge Payne for every time I went to federal court, I had the same judge. And he told me that if he ever sees me in his courtroom again um, for a computer crime, he was gonna give me life in prison. Yeah, he made it so I don't wanna, I don't wanna hack illegally anymore. (laughs) I got a daughter that would be really mad at me if I went to prison for the rest of my life. So Tommy gets out of
0: prison and does good on probation, no violations. In fact, he does all the time he's supposed to do. And on November 3rd, 2010, his probation is done. And he's a free man once again.
1: It was really nice to know that I could um, get on computers again and not like have to worry that I was gonna go to prison or get caught on them or or anything. I didn't have to hide them anymore. I was allowed to get cell phones. And the biggest thing to me was the fact that I was allowed to go to school now. Um, While I was on probation, I wasn't allowed to go to college because you can't go through college without having to use a computer for something, especially when I wanted to go for computer stuff. Um, And I was allowed to try to find a computer job at that point. So that was like the biggest difference for me.
0: He could go to college, use computers, but of course he was not allowed to do any illegal hacking, no matter how tempting it might be. Finding a legit job in the tech industry is really hard when you have a federal conviction on your record, especially for fraud.
1: I spent three years from 2010 to 2013 trying to find a computer job, period. Um, I kept working as a cook and doing construction, but um, uh, I couldn't find any company that would hire me doing computers because of my um, background and everything, they automatically think you were stealing money or identities.
0: Tommy would sometimes get that itch to be Doggy G, the Black Hat, and hack into something again. But he controlled his temptations, no matter how strong they were. The truth was, he was really good at hacking. When you're really good at something, you like doing it. But then he heard about something new— something that would change his life and start a new chapter for him, bug bounties. There are two main websites that do this, HackerOne and BugCrowd. Companies will go to these websites and say something like, hey, if anyone can find a security issue on our website, we'll give them a reward. Tommy came across HackerOne and decided to check it out. He saw the website Yahoo had a bug bounty program and he was already really familiar with the way Yahoo worked. He'd been poking at it and hacking on it throughout his whole teenage life. So he was kind of flabbergasted now that Yahoo was willing to pay anyone who could find a security problem in their website. So he starts hacking around on their site and found something.
1: I reported my first bug on HackerOne to Yahoo in March of 2016 and I found that a lot of Yahoo system admins and developers were using GIST to share information and they were forgetting to make them private or delete them after the fact. So I found a bunch of them that were leaking like internal passwords, database credentials, uh, network maps and stuff like that. So that was my first bug to Yahoo, reported it to them and they gave me like 300 bucks for it.
0: As in Yahoo was thanking Tommy for hacking their site and telling them about a security problem they had and were so happy they gave him $300 for this.
1: So I was like, oh shit, okay, so maybe this is real. I made very little money the first couple of months because it was all like really low level things that I was finding. And then in May of 2016, uh, Image Tragic, uh, Image Magic, remote code execution vulnerability um, was public
0: at that time. The image magic bug was a vulnerability where websites let you upload an image but you could send a malicious image to it and then you can get access to the website just by uploading
1: a malicious image and I actually got remote code execution on two of Yahoo servers using that and got um, the first one was a thousand dollar bounty and then the following week I found the same RCE on a different server reported that, and they gave me the full $4,000.
0: And with that, Doggy G was back. This time, completely legal. This time, wearing a white hat. Because all this was legit and paid up by Yahoo, the company he hacked. But because they have a bug bounty program, it explicitly allows this kind of hack if you're participating in the program. And they'll pay you for it. So he was basically given the green light to hack once again. Doggy G was in somewhat disbelief. Is this even real? But it was. So he sat up straight, cracked his knuckles, and began going to town looking for more bugs that would pay out.
1: So in my first year doing bug bounties in 2016, I think I only made, i say, somewhere between like 30 and $50,000 somewhere. Um, almost all of it was on HackerOne. And then in 2017, I had made. I ended up making like um, I think I set the goal to make a hundred thousand dollars in 2017 from bug bounties, and made somewhere between 150 000 and 200 thousand dollars for 2017. The white hat hacker move was working for him,
0: but what looked even better, what he really wanted, was a green hat,
1: green as in money. 2018, I think I made combined across all three platforms, somewhere between six dollars and $700,000. For Doggy G,
0: money looked best when it was turned into cars. Men in Black 2 got him in real trouble, but Fast and Furious
1: truly inspired him. So the Fast and the Furious movies um, started coming out, what was it, like 99 or so? And I fell in love with the Skyline GTRs so tell me about what happened to you in january 2018. in january 2018 i got um 175 seventy-five dollar bounty on a friday afternoon on a hacker one program and i was kind of mad about the bounty because it should have been quite a bit more but the program paid really bad and i put the 175 dollars on a i bet on um, basketball international basketball a lot um i put that 175 dollars on there at about seven o'clock on that Friday night. And by Monday afternoon, four or five in the afternoon, I had turned $175 into $133,000. So um, I withdrew like 50,000 of it. And I went and bought my first Skyline. It was a 1992 R32 GTST. Like that was technically my, dream car. It wasn't the GTR model, but it was still at Skyline. So I was like, extremely happy. In
0: 2018, Doggy G kept finding and submitting bugs on HackerOne. $200 here, $1,000 there, $5,000 there. He was racking up one bounty after another, slowly but surely, fattening his stack, earning his green hat. And then he scored the biggest bounty yet.
1: Okay, so October 2018, I set the record for um, the most, um, the highest amount of bounties paid in a single day to a single researcher. I was playing with an SSRF and I found a bypass for their blacklist that they had used. And I ended up being able to bypass the blacklist in a total of 15 or 16 different endpoints for SSRF.
0: I know some of you don't understand what he's saying. That's okay. All you need to know is that he found a vulnerability 16 times on a single company's website.
1: And ended up getting new bugs for all 16 of them. And each one of them was $10,000. So it was like October 18th or something like that of 2018. I was paid $160,000 worth of bounties in that one day.
0: What is that feeling like to get 160,000 in a day's work?
1: Unreal. It was just like, it still seems too good to be true. That's my single day highest payout, but I've had at least five or six single days where I've made six figures in one day. Ask any racer, any real racer, It
2: don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. Winning's winning.
1: It's unreal to know that 10 years ago, right now, I was sitting in federal prison. To now, I'm one of six people on HackerOne that have made a million dollars just on the HackerOne platform. I'm pretty sure I've made over $800,000 in 2019 just from HackerOne.
0: I've confirmed all this, by the way. I've read through his court cases, I've listened to his mother talk, and HackerOne themselves has announced that Tommy was the sixth hacker on their site to make $1 million. And in 2019, he made $910,000 total, just missing his goal of $1 million in bug bounties in one year. What did your parents think when you started uh, using HackerOne to hack again?
1: Um at first they were uh super uh leery of it after like my mom finally accepted it after like uh the first year or so when she saw that i was able to make money and i was making decent money and not getting in trouble um my dad still doesn't accept it he um he actually won't talk to me because he thinks that i'm wasting my life and wants me to get a uh, a normal nine to five job and everything and the last time I actually spoke to him was in February of this year, and he was disowning me and telling me that I needed to stop wasting my life and um, get a real job before I lose my life or something along those lines.
0: Isn't that, and that's <laughs> because he thinks this isn't legit work.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping that he's seeing it now. Um, in the last uh, in 2019, I've bought um, cars. For my two nieces that are 17 years old, I bought both of them their first car. I bought my baby sister, who was about to turn 18. I bought her her first car. I bought my um, one of – I've got a set of twin sisters a year younger than me. One of them lives in Florida. I bought her a truck earlier this year. I bought her twin sister a car and a truck a few months ago. I bought my mom a Mustang back in um, – October of this year and I bought myself um, This year. I've bought myself an Infiniti G 37 I'm planning to buy my dad a brand new truck I'm planning on buying him a truck within the next month or two and then just buying it taking it to his house putting it in his driveway with the keys and the title and Just leaving it there and letting him come home from work to find a brand new truck in his driveway for
0: Oh, there's an update here. I recorded this interview like months ago, but I checked with Tommy just before airing this, and he's slowly getting on talking terms with his dad again. And when he pitched this idea to him, his dad had another plan. Remember the car Tommy bought his uh, 18-year-old little sister? Well, she didn't drive it right, and she blew the engine. So his dad said, instead of buying me a new truck, why don't you buy another new car for your little sister? So that's what Tommy's planning on doing. And also at this point, Doggy G has earned so much money that he's been able to buy two of his dream cars. And both of them are the classic Nissan Skylines from Too Fast Too Furious. What are the license plates on your cars?
1: On my um, R32 GTST, I've got an antique tag on it. that says Hacker H4CK3R. On my 92 R32 GTR, it says bounty please. And then I have on my Infinity G37, I have the license plate, thank you, Hacker One. Earlier this year, I actually, a couple months ago, I actually was sent to DC by Hacker One and I spoke at a little cybersecurity leaders meetup between the government and uh, government and military agencies. So going from a black cat being sent to prison for hacking the government, to actually being invited to speak to government leaders about my experience hacking them. This is the
0: weird new future we're living in. Ten years ago, when Doggy G was hacking, bug bounties didn't exist. And the government was chasing him. Now Doggy G is doing the same kind of hacking, but now companies are paying him to do it. And the government is asking him to come teach them. Sort of like, if he can't beat them... Join them.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the good thing, one of the things that I love about the DoD's program so much is that it's their scope. Tons of companies start up a bug bounty program, and they have an extremely limited limited scope. And it's like, we only want information about these and everything. And as a former black hat, I know that I don't give two shits about a scope if I'm a black hat.
0: So, yeah, Tommy's now helping the Fed secure their networks. It's weird how it all turned out, isn't it? And even though the bug bounties are bringing him a great income, he's actually been looking for a day job lately.
1: I don't have anybody to talk to that um, when I make a really cool hack or anything like that, aside from the people online. I see hacking as kind of an addiction. Um, I'm just as much addicted to hacking as I ever was addicted to any drug or anything like that. I'll never stop hacking Actually, the only reason I'm looking for a full-time job is because I miss working with the team. I just want to have a little bit of structure to my day so that I'm not just like, I sit around bored out of my mind a lot. And there's only so much Xbox you can play and online games and stuff you can play before even they get boring. (laughs) Tommy did,
0: in fact, recently get a job with one of the biggest banks in the U.S., doing research on the threats they see there. He applied, interviewed, they liked him, he passed, got the job, and he had a start date in January. But when they ran a background check on him, they got worried. And so they decided not to bring him on board. And this was a bummer, since another reason he wants a day job is to prove to his dad that he's doing
1: good work. I think he'll be um, happier then. I'll still be doing my bug bounties and stuff but I'll have what he sees in his eye as a real job.
0: Okay, so if Tommy's story is inspiring to you, you can get started earning money finding bugs
1: too. And this is what Tommy suggests you do to get started. Just doing hacker101.com, which is kind of like Hacker University, where it's capture the flags and stuff to um, show you some real world examples of things that bug hunters have found to give you like hands on experience. Um, doing pen tester labs, I always suggest when somebody asks me where to start is reading every blog post you can find from bug hunters about what they found and everything so it gives you an idea.
0: Last thing I asked Tommy, a former criminal, is if he has any advice for the next generation who might be thinking of trying on that black hat.
1: A, it's not worth doing this stuff illegally. Uh, thanks to Edward Snowden's leaks back in 2013, we know that... Everything we do online is uh, monitored by the U.S. government, and anybody that thinks that they can do things illegally and get away with it is mistaken. Um, anybody that has been doing things illegally and has gotten away with it, it's, it's only because they haven't wanted to look at you yet, but they can. They're, they're, you're not going to hide yourself completely. Everybody makes mistakes. And the amount of money that you can make doing this legally far outweighs the, the money you're going to make illegally. Because, I mean, if you're good enough to do this as a black hat, you're good enough to do this as a white hat and you, you can make life-changing money doing it.
0: Just before airing this episode, Tommy attended the H1415 hacking event. This is a nine-hour hackathon put on by HackerOne in San Francisco. And the goal is to see how many bug bounties can be claimed within nine hours a bunch of people showed up, Tommy went, and he was finding bug after bug and reporting them. And within the nine hours given for the event, he earned $101,000, which gave him the coveted MVH, Most Valuable Hacker. I get a little jealous listening to this story because I was one of those people who did everything right, I've never been arrested for hacking. I never went to prison. I went to university and got a computer science degree. And then I spent 10 years working as a security engineer. I made nothing close to a million dollars. Yet here's Tommy breaking all the rules and getting scarred again and again, failing repeatedly and still coming out, not just okay, but with all the toys. But I guess it just reminds me of that Fast and Furious quote.
2: You know, everyone happens to know a few things. And one of the things everyone knows
3: is, it's not how you stand by your car, it's how you race your car. You better learn that.
0: A very big thank you to Tommy DeVos, a.k.a. Doggy G. Great story, but stay out of trouble, okay? Oh, have you listened to the five bonus episodes of Darknet Diaries yet? They're out there, but they're only for Patreon supporters. If this show brings you value, please consider giving to the Darknet Diaries Patreon. You can also get an ad-free version of the show there too. This show is made by me, the Tokyo Drifter, Jack Recyder. This episode was produced by the turbocharged Jake Warga. Editing help this episode by the windblown Damien. And our theme music is by the electric powered Breakmaster Cylinder. And even though a Mirai botnet is launched somewhere in the world every time I say it, this is Darknet Diaries.